Hi friends, thanks for joining us again today. I'm just spending some time uh, thinking about God and I wonder if you ever, if you ever do that. Do you ever just think about God? You ever wonder what God looks like? At some point in your life, you probably have. We all we all do. Uh, we can't help it. Um, we, when we relate to people, um, there's a face with it. So I think a lot of people um, put a face to God. So my question to you is, what does God look like to you? If you could draw a picture, what would it look like? So just take a moment and, and come up with that image of God that you have. Maybe you could talk about that later on. So uh, some researchers at uh, the University of North Carolina Chapel Hill actually uh, looked into this, how people view God. And this was uh, back in 2018, they did some research and they presented, um, with, with American Christians this is, they presented people with um, uh, sample images, like so a pair of images um, and multiple times and asked them to select the one that they thought most represented God to them. And they did this with quite a large focus group and then um, took all of their, the information, the data and compiled a composite image of what all of these people collectively think God looks like. And, it, and, and I'm gonna share the image with you in just a minute, but I want you to, to recall the image that you have when I asked you, what does God look like to you? Because the assumption is, I think for, for many people in popular cultures that God is this old man who's bearded um, and quite, uh, quite sour looking. Now, here's the image that they put up uh, of a composite of God. There's two images there, and if I understand right, uh, it's just the two dominant views of what God looks like. It's rather interesting, isn't it? When you look at this, that may not be anything like what you imagined God to look like. And what they found is that um, people who were younger tended to see God as a younger person. People who were more attractive tended to have an image of God as being more attractive. Uh, conservative people tend to see God as more uh, a God of power, where liberal people tend to see God more as a God of love. And they were a little bit surprised that the image that I have just shared with you is, is a much younger looking God than, than they would have thought or that popular culture might have dictated. And yet what they did um, discover is that we have a tendency to project onto people um, the things that we think, how people should look, how they should behave, and we tend to do that with God too. So the researchers, you know, in their in their study wrote this, people often project their beliefs and traits onto others, and our study shows that God's appearance is no different. People believe in a God who not only thinks like them, but also looks like them. 
So the question that I would ask you in this little exercise is this, is it possible that our idea of God is more a reflection of what we think he should be like, or is it being shaped by the God that we meet in Jesus? So this verse that we're looking at in Hebrews chapter 13, one verse, Hebrews 13, 8, says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, forever. Now, it could be talking about the essence of who Jesus is, uh, the language of his ontology, um, or it could be talking about things like uh, how he behaves, his faithfulness. And, and I think either one works in this case. But earlier, at the beginning of this letter, this is what the author writes about Jesus. Long ago, God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. And now in these final days, he has spoken to us through his Son. God promised everything to the Son as an inheritance, and through the Son, he created the universe. And then this verse here, verse 3, the Son radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God and sustains everything by the mighty power of his command. And what the author is saying is that Jesus is the exact representation of who God is. He is, um, he is everything we need to see in God wrapped up in human form. He is the image of God, and God is speaking through him to us. So if Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, what does that tell us about who God is, who he always has been, what he has always looked like, so to speak, and how he always will? So in John 1.18, um, you know, not the author of Hebrews, but but John the Apostle is writing about Jesus, and he is saying, No one has ever seen God, but Jesus, who is from the Father's heart, has made him known to us. Jesus has shown us who God is. And I've shared this before. The language that's used in that verse, it's as if God opened his chest and out came Jesus, and he said, This is who I am. Or the Apostle Paul, um, earlier this year we did a, a series on Colossians, and the Apostle Paul says in in um, in Colossians chapter 1, that Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God. And later in um, chapter 2, verse 9, he says that all the fullness of deity lives in bodily form. So when, so when we think about who God is and what God looks like, if we take what Jesus said about himself seriously and how the earliest Christians understood Jesus, I think it is safe to say that God always looks like Jesus. He always has and he always will because he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So God always looks like Jesus. And here's a question that that begs then. If you're familiar at all with the Bible, and you hear me saying this, making this statement, God always looks like Jesus. A question that might arise for you is, is this. If God always looks like Jesus, how does that reconcile with 
the God of the Old Testament. Because there are places in the Old Testament where God seems not to look like Jesus. He seems like a very violent God who is not only condoning or allowing violence, he's actually commanding it. So here's, here's a couple of examples. Uh, in Deuteronomy chapter 20, verse 13, we read this. Uh, Moses, he's speaking through Moses. When the Lord your God hands the, these towns over to you in the promised land that you're entering, use your swords and kill every man in the town. But you can keep for yourself all the women and the children, the livestock and the plunder. You can enjoy that uh, from your enemies that the Lord has given you. But these instructions only apply to the distant towns, not the towns of the nations in the land you are going to enter. And then verse 16, In those towns that the Lord your God has given you as a special possession, destroy every living thing. You must completely destroy the Hittites, Amorites, Canaanites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites just, Jebusites, just as the Lord your God has commanded you. That's, that's one example. Another example would be in 1 Samuel 15 where God is working through uh, King Saul. And, and we read this. This is what the Lord of heaven's armies has declared. I have decided to settle accounts with the nation of Amalek for opposing Israel when they came from Egypt. Now go and completely destroy the entire Amalekite nation. Men, women, children, babies, cattle, sheep, goats, camels, and donkeys. And that word destroy is a Hebrew word that's difficult in its meaning and interpretation, but it can mean to completely give over to God through destruction, through offering. But you just, you get this sense when you read some of these passages, um, there's a wrestling with who God is. And if God always looks like Jesus, then how do we how do we manage um, images like this of the God of the Old Testament? You know, your image might be, you know, when you read that, it's kind of like this image here. It's, it's, uh, it's from Monty Python, Search for the Holy Grail. Um, if you haven't seen it, um, I don't recommend movies. I just found that it's funny. It's old. Um, it's, it's very old, so if you're younger, you've probably never heard of Monty Python, um, but it is, it is humorous, if you like British humor. If you don't like British humor, then, then don't worry about it. So what do you do if God always looks like Jesus? What do you do with passages like these uh, in the Old Testament? And I, and I think this is part of how we have to wrestle with Scripture, and so there's scholars will read these and um, and and look at them in various ways. Some will actually just look at these and and say, well, this is this is why we think that um, if God condones this kind of thing, there are certain times when we should be using violence. And but I think you have to wrestle with uh, the reality that if Jesus is the exact representation of God, then then what we see in Jesus is the fullest revelation of of who God is. Everything we need to know about God, we see in Jesus. Then how do we reconcile that with a God that seems angry and vindictive in the Old Testament. And some will say, well, that's just how it rolls. Others will try to work through this, and I, and I think it's valid to think through this. So one example might be that, um, that in ancient Near Eastern cultures, people did things and then they attributed those things to the God that they worshipped. 
And so some would be saying this is probably an example of the Israelites doing things and then attributing those things to their understanding of who they thought God was. And that's why we have it in the writing. Others would say, well, some of these passages and stories have been written down much much after the events actually took place. And so they were written as a way to be used to inspire people in the present moment. So that's another way of, of dealing with this. That it, and it's, it's almost like they're saying it may not have actually happened, but they're using the story to try to inspire people in the moment when it was written. Some, there's some validity in each of those. I think people are wrestling with that, trying to figure out I'm a little more comfortable um, trying not to dismiss these passages away, but saying, yeah, these, this is what's challenging. But when I read the Old Testament as a whole, what I see is an image of God that looks much more like Jesus than just selecting out various passages like that. And now that's not to gloss over these various passages, but I think we wrestle with them. And we, we try to think through, how does this point us to Jesus? And maybe sometimes these stories are there to show us how people viewed God that, that wasn't necessarily the way God is, but he allows them to respond where they're at in the moment. And I think one thing we can say is that throughout the scriptures, the story of God and humanity, God is graciously and patiently um, working with humanity in all of our foibles and misunderstandings and misapprehensions and mistakes um, and misappropriations of, of their relationship with God and their image and their idea of who God is. So I'm not probably not helping you like answer this question definitively, but what I will do is say when I come across passages like this in the Old Testament where I'm left thinking like that doesn't sit well with me, if I can't fully figure it out, I am going to hold that up to the image of God that I find in Jesus and just acknowledge the fact that that this doesn't seem to be the God that I see in Jesus and so I'm going to hold this uh I'm going to hold the tension here and just continue to sit with it and, and wrestle with it. But know that, that everything I need to know about God, I see in the person of Jesus. So that may be helpful. And one author, uh, Adam Hamilton, who's done some writing on this, he's a pastor, uh, says, ultimately the violence-affirming passages of the Old Testament serve as a reminder of how easily we might still be led to invoke God's name as a justification of violence in our world. To the degree that we see Jesus as the definitive word of God and that we listen carefully to his words, we are able to free ourselves from this tragic dimension of our human condition. And I think he poetically is saying what I just said, that I'm going to read uh, my, the Old Testament through the lens of Jesus, who is the complete word of God and everything I need to know about God in personal form not in written form. And so just bringing us back from that, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God always looks like Jesus. He always has. 
And you know, if the people, the the Hebrew people who were following God, did some things and then attributed those things to God or credited them to God, even though it may not have been what God had asked, um, you know, for God to accommodate that, I think this is what He does. He meets us where we're at, and then He allows us to grow into knowing Him. And you can. Ex- expand this over a long period of time with an entire nation of people. And I've said this before, that when you read the story of Israel, sometimes it's helpful just to see that the story of Israel is your story. The story of this whole people, you know, and many of the aspects of what they went through and what's happening in the relationship with God can describe your relationship with God. And so maybe it's possible that the images that you have of God still need to be corrected. I know mine do. I don't have the perfect idea of God in my mind. There are things I'm still learning about Jesus and about God. There are things that I still need to let go of. There are misconceptions that I have, but he is, he is constantly bringing me into a greater realization of who he is, deeper truth and more beauty into who he is. So I wonder if maybe some of the images you have of God or the ideas that you have of God um, are still needing to be corrected and Jesus is wanting to do that through his spirit. So I want to read from, uh, from John. I, I've kind of camped out uh, in, the, in John for a few weeks here. And I just want to read a passage for you of Jesus um, having a, a conversation with some scholars. And, he's, and he says this to them. In their awareness of the scriptures, you search the scriptures in John 5, 39, you search the scriptures because you think that they give you eternal life, but the scriptures point to me, yet you refuse to come to me to receive this life. And then he talks a bit more with them. And in verse 45, he says, it isn't I who will accuse you before the father. Moses will accuse you. Yes, Moses, in whom you put your hopes. If you really believed Moses, you would believe me because he wrote about me. And so here's Jesus talking to religious scholars and he's saying, when you read the scriptures, somehow you're not able to see me in them, that they are pointing to me. And so when Jesus read his Old Testament, including what I shared earlier from Deuteronomy chapter 20 and 1 Samuel 15, what Jesus saw in, those, in all of these passages is that all of the Hebrew Bible was pointing to him. And so he read it in a way that obviously I still uh, have some growing and, and learning to do. These people did as well. You know, in another uh, place, the followers of Jesus, not the people opposing him like the religious leaders, but his followers are having trouble kind of reconciling Jesus and, and God. And, and Jesus says this to one of them, uh, Philip, have I been with you all this time, Philip, yet you don't know who I am? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. If you want to know what God looks like, look no further than me, says Jesus. Everything you need to know about God, you are seeing in me. And I think that's encouraging because what Jesus is doing here, uh, at least in John's gospel, is he's correcting the ideas that people have, the misconceptions they have of who God is. 
he's changing their picture of God, their idea of what God looks like. And he's saying, you know, that image that you have uh, isn't quite right. Let me help you see this in a new light. And that is what the Spirit of Christ is always doing to us as we, as we dig into the scriptures and as we listen to his voice, as we do it in community with each other. He is just growing our awareness of who God is and what he's like. And for me, that fills me with hope. You know, if I bring us back to Hebrews 13, that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, that God always looks like Jesus, that he always has, that he always will. Uh, The writer, as he goes through chapter 13, you know, at one point in verse 14 says, you know, let's not forget, this world is not our permanent home. We're looking forward for a home yet to come. And I appreciate that because I want to be with the God who looks like Jesus. And I I wonder if you do too. Because you might have images of God that fill you with fear. And I'm just reminded about what John wrote in, in one of his letters where he said, perfect love casts out fear. So if there are images you have of God that are filling you with fear, then there's just still growing and learning about who God is to happen in your life. But I want to be with the God who looks like Jesus. I want to be in relationship with him. And I'm looking forward to that. Not only what I can experience now, but ultimately how I can be with him forever. You know, I think about um, the presence of God. And here's the author saying, this Jesus that never changes, we have the opportunity that we're going to be with him forever. You know, in, in the Old Testament, the Hebrew Bible, the temple often depicted the presence of God. Where the temple was, God was. Where the tabernacle God, his presence was. Where people gathered, God was there. In John 14, if you remember, we looked at this last week. Jesus said, I will give you the Spirit and he will be with you forever. In Matthew, Jesus said, I will be with you forever when you are gathered together. And then I want to read this from the book of Revelation, which is about our final home, the permanent home that the author's talking about where he he has a vision of heaven. And he says, look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. Did you catch that? He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. The God who looks like Jesus wants us to be with him forever. And we come to him through Jesus. I think heaven, at least I, this is what, this is what I think. Heaven is much more about, about God's presence than it is about some place. And when you hear people talking about streets of gold and all that, you just need to understand the type of literature that they're reading and the allegory and the metaphor. But what makes heaven, heaven is that God is there. The God we meet in Jesus And he wants us to experience him fully and completely. And the beauty of reading through the stories of Jesus and the letters about Jesus afterwards is that we don't have to wait to die to be in heaven to experience God forever. That begins now through the Spirit of Christ. 
but it's about mutually loving and mutual giving and receiving in relationship with God and with each other. And that the Jesus who is the same yesterday, today, and forever is the God that we can, that we can be with, the God who wants us to know him who knows us so well, and he wants us to experience him fully and completely. Like we said last week, with Jesus, it is always today. He is always present for us. God is always there for us, and he's inviting us into that. God always looks like Jesus. He always has. He always will, and he's inviting us to be home with him today. He's inviting you to be with him today. Let's pray. Father, as we come into this autumn season and we have wanted to feel like we're coming out of the pandemic and into a new season and then we're facing yet again uh, uncertainty about what this fourth wave is going to do, let us hear the truth of the scriptures again, that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, that you are the same God who walked with Adam and Eve, who led Israel through the wilderness into the promised land, who stayed faithful to Israel when Israel was unfaithful to you, who came in person so that we could finally understand who you are, so that you could save us from our brokenness, from our lostness, from our sin, so that you could establish your kingdom here on earth, so that you could allow us to see the full measure of your love for us. We love you and we thank you for revealing yourself to us in Christ. And may we today be encouraged that you who have always been, who always is, who always will be, is not changing, will always be faithful for us. And we thank you for doing that through Christ, our Savior and Lord, who reigns with you and the Holy Spirit now and forever. Amen. Well, thanks for checking in with us this week. And next week, we will um, just be moving closer to September 12th and 19th, which we're using as kind of our launch um, to begin a new season of ministry. And we encourage you, if you can come in person, if you're comfortable, um, do join us. If you just feel like you can't go there and you want to continue to track with us online, we are going to continue providing this for you. And, uh, and we continue to pray for you and uh, make ourselves available to you. We love you, and we hope to see you soon. Bye for now.